welcome back to another episode of Speaking Literally, where the books speak for themselves. I'm Holly. And I'm Liz. And I was worried there for a second that you remembered what your name was. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a fan. It's been a long week. It's been a long week. It has been. A long two weeks since we last recorded an episode. Um, but it is going to be a fantastic episode because, Liz, yeah. what is the bulk of our show going to be today? Well, it's going to be the next book club episode. Woo! Yay! Oh, can't so, wait. Yeah, we're going to be talking. Yeah, we are going to be talking about Just Like Home, um, which is a, a, a spooky kind of perfect read for, for the spooky season of Halloween month. Absolutely. Uh, so yes. Yeah. Why don't we jump straight in and talk about some bookish buzz? All right. So um, there's, you know, quite a bit of stuff that we have to talk about. So first, the Nobel Peace Prize for Literature was just announced this week. And Annie Ernaux, a French writer, received this honor. She was actually among the, the front runners to win. Um, but she... Uh, is known to just write books about life in France. And one of the quotes that came out as far as her winning was that she won for the courage and clinical acuity with which she uncovers the roots and estrangements and collective restraints of personal memory. So kudos to Annie for winning the Nobel Peace Prize for Literature for 2022. What else do we have? Yeah. Uh, so this weekend, uh, as some of you may be aware, was New York Comic Con. So we always get some interesting kind of gaming news and comic news and TV series. And one of the um, bits of news that came out of it literally yesterday, well, which is Saturday, um, was that we are getting another Anne Rice adaptation um, we there has been kind of rumors about this, um, but we finally got to see the first trailer for this, and it's the adaptation of her series of for Mayfair Witches. Uh, this comes out on the fifth of January on AMC, so just around the corner. And obviously, we've just had um, I think the first episode aired last Monday of the uh, Vampire Chronicles mm. um, on AMC. So I still need to watch that. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm very kind of very interested in that because I've read some of the books of that series um, and it's a very very good series that's awesome and it's always exciting like for adaptations and Anne Rice is you know amazing so it's it's gonna be I mean she was a horror goddess exactly (laughs) and what a great month to make that announcement just in general because it's October it's creepy spooky um, (laughs) season that we all love so witches it's all great um, it's, all good. it's all good. So another big name, <laughs> uh, James Patterson, who, you know, seems to just, you know, he must never sleep since he cranks out books like nobody's business. Um, but he is actually um, he donated two million dollars. I'd have to go through and do the, the calculations for what that would equate to in um, pounds for for you, Liz. But just know it's a lot of money. <laughs> But he's donated $2 million to help Pen America, um, which is an organization to help, um, to help, uh, increase and help promote their, their reach and voice and influence when it comes to literature. Um, so he's kind of like, like being a little bit of an activist to, to support some of these organizations. You know, obviously, uh, we have been battling a huge amount of, of censorship and book banning and yeah. Pen America has kind of like you know been a little vocal over the last several months and and supports authors and books so um so 
getting a $2 million donation from James Patterson is definitely going to, to help in the promotion of, you know, being able to read what people want to read without fear of, you know, can I actually find this in the library or whatever. So, so thanks James Patterson for your support for Penn America. That's pretty amazing. And for any UK listeners, uh, I I did my little Googling and it's about 1.8 million. So a lot of money. Yeah. A lot of money. So no, that's, that's, yeah, that's staggering. That's very generous. Thank you, James. Yes. Um, on to not as happy news. We were hoping it was two weeks in between our last podcast, and we were like, we've already had loads of author deaths. In the last podcast, I think we spent too much time talking about author <laughs> and people deaths. That is like, we can surely have a break for just two weeks, and we almost got there. Um, and then we got one notification yesterday. Yesterday, Ugh. so we were one day off uh, off a, a death free podcast, <laughs> but unfortunately, um, it wasn't to be. So yeah, Peter Robinson, uh, he, who is a British Canadian author of the Inspector Banks novels, um, has died aged seventy two. Mm. Uh, very sad. They said it was um, quite sudden after a brief illness. And I think in the series, it was DCI Bank series, and he wrote about 26 novels, and he sold millions of copies, um, and it's been like translated across the world. So he has a pretty big name. I haven't actually personally read any of his, but he has. He was quite a prolific author. So very sad news. That's um, sad. Yeah, and I haven't I haven't read anything by him either, uh, but you know he's a big name um so mm. it's it's always sad when we you know hear about any deaths and so you know thoughts to to his family and friends um and can we just say like authors out there can we just have a month of no deaths please yeah that would <laughs> be fantastic because like, we don't want to have to keep doing this like right. no, no no major ones in the next month like just just no major ones Stay healthy. Because we had so many last last month. I know. Obviously, we had Hilary Mantle, and then we had somebody else. I can't remember yeah. who the other one was. <laughs> but yeah, it was too many. Too many. Too many. <laughs> um, well, the shift gears, um, the majority of people probably know who Tom Hanks is, um, major actor, and been in some some amazing movies. But he is going to write his first novel. Um, and it's going to be inspired by his filmmaking experiences. So, um, I know. So I don't know. I didn't dig too deep into it to know if it's going to be more of like, um, like a, uh, like more like a biography, like a nonfiction type yeah. of, of, like, I'm like, is he going to have like this expose of what it's really like <laughs> in Hollywood and, and making movies? Um, yeah. or is it going to be more of like a, you know, here's my experience, but I'm going to kind of fictionalize it a little bit. So, uh, my guess is it's probably going to be more along the lines of the nonfiction, um, piece because, you know, yeah. Matthew McConaughey has his, you know, his one. And so, uh, green lights. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of, uh, a lot of the celebrities yeah. are beginning to kind of come out with, with their, um, autobiography type books where, you know, they're, they're sharing their experience in, in the spotlight and in the public eye. And, um, you know, it always comes up, especially as kids, you're like, oh, I want to be famous and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. <laughs> and as cool as I think it would be to, you know, 
be a, a big time movie actress or go on tour and sell out like, you know, 100,000 people stadiums and I could never deal with the pressure of being in the public eye like that. Like, it's... Yeah, no, I, I like my privacy too much. I mean, to Mike's, it's not surprising because he has pretty much retired from acting mm-hmm. now, which is such a loss to the movie industry because yeah. he's just an amazing actor. Um, but, yeah, I think cause his Elvis was his last film. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's good that we're still going to get him. It's good that we are in some kind of... <laughs> yeah. In some respects, we're still going to be, be seeing him, which is nice, but... Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I yeah, mean, it's really interesting. It's scheduled to come out in the spring, so look for it around May of 2023 mm-hmm. is when it should hit the hit the shelves. I'm sure those of wow. you um, who are all about reading arcs and getting arcs in NetGalley, I'm sure there'll probably be some opportunities <laughs> to get some um, an advanced reader copy if you're, um, you know, up for that. But it's going to be really cool to see to see what he comes out with, and and yeah, like Elvis. <laughs> Uh, I'm also expecting Elvis to do really well at the Academy Awards. I can definitely see um, that being nominated because it was very well received even by the the Presley family. It was well received. So he's just – what I love about Tom Hanks is just his versatility. Like he can just – He can do anything. Yeah. do literally anything. And he is so beloved. Like. Mm -hmm. He's not the sort of person that's you, in real life. He's like an absolute douche. He's right. really nice. He seems like a really nice guy, mm-hmm. and he's been yeah. He's been in so many different roles, like Woody from Toy, Toy yeah. Story. Yeah, Forrest Just, Gump. Oh, Forrest Gump. <laughs> and, and and then all the way down to something like Big, where he's you know dancing on the little keyboard and yeah. So. I can't wait. I like, you know, that's why I hope it's more yeah. of an autobiographical type book because I would love to hear his experiences oh, from yeah. when he started his career so many years ago and all these movies that are Definitely. like just so beloved to us and have him really recount. Um, but then again, I don't want him to, to like crush my, <laughs> my, my perspective of it by telling me like these horrible things that happen in Hollywood. So yeah, I don't know, but yep. So Tom Hanks releasing yeah, a book in in May. So be on the lookout. What else we got? Nice. Okay, so to round up our bookish buzz, uh, we are a few weeks away from November. It, the year has just gone <sighs> stupidly fast. I don't know where where it's gone. Me neither. Um, but November is many things. Obviously, November is Guy Fawkes. November is um, November month for people who want to grow mustaches mm-hmm. in a charity. Yep. But um, it is also NaNoWriMo. So for those that don't know, NaNoWriMo is National Novel Writing Month. Um, and basically it's a challenge to write a novel in a month. Uh, you can do however much you want, but they have a challenge for 50,000 words. And they also have like a little half one um, for 25,000 words. So um, I have been, I've done, tried it twice. First time, I think I read about, watched, uh, wrote about 12,000 words. But the second time, I actually managed to do it. Um, wow. I actually wrote 50,000 words. So that was, and that was about, oh, God, 10, 12 years ago now. <laughs> so what did you do? Ago. What did you do with those those 50,000 words? What are they, where are they at right now? Uh, I mean, I printed it out because I find that I edit better on paper. Okay. So, and and then I, I started editing it, and then it went into a box, and I haven't come back to it since. <laughs> <laughs> One day, I'm sure I will. Um, 
You know how it is. <laughs> I do. I mean, it's just like, you know, I like to handwrite when I write. So I have like spiral Ooh, notebooks uh. upon spiral notebooks um, <laughs> yeah. sitting in sitting in a drawer. And my husband's every now and then my husband's like, are you ever going to do anything with these? And at this point, I'm like, I would love to because it's been so many years since I wrote those that I they yeah. needed to be completely. They, basically, at this point, I would rewrite them um, <laughs> as I type them. Uh, so, so I would like you. I you know I would love to do something. It's almost like um, like I, I have probably six six books it, in some form or fashion in those notebooks. But then I have like about five more ideas of things that I would yeah. like to write. So um, I always say that it's going to be my like re- my like retirement it's like how I'm going to bring in more money when I retire uh, which <laughs> exactly but you know but that's also that also kind of is, is is crappy because it's like you know when we we do a lot of interviews on our show with authors and one of the questions we always ask them is what is advice that you would give to like an aspiring author. And so many times the response is very similar and it's, it's just, just, just right. Just start. Um, and so it's like, you, you know, you don't have to hold yourself to a timeline. You don't have to hold yourself to deadlines and all of those things. Like just, just right. Um, and so like, this is a great opportunity, um, with the national novel writing month to, to kind of just, Say, look, I'm just, I'm just gonna write. They have an amazing, very thorough website that gives resources. Mm. They give calendars. There's, there's like forums you can join and groups you can join so you can meet other people that are doing this and kind of have some of that social accountability if you are someone who's like, yeah, I'm gonna do it, but then no one's kind of like monitoring you. Uh, So the website's really, really, really cool. so yeah actually when I did it last time um I actually joined one of the the groups where I used to live and went to like a NaNoWriMo meeting where like everyone just basically wrote so that was pretty um pretty exciting oh yeah that's kind of a nice atmosphere yeah I don't I think that I might actually like write better if I'm like in an environment where everyone's doing the same thing versus exactly yeah because there's no way that I I mean Taking two hours to sit here on a Saturday morning to record this show is like, and not be interrupted is amazing. But to try to sit down like in the evenings and and try to write for even like 30 minutes, um, (laughs) I'd be like, I'd write and then I'd have to stop and go pick up a kid and then I'd come back and I'd have to write and then I'd have to stop and go make dinner. (laughs) And it just like, I can't, even like when I'm writing my reviews or updating my website, I can't do it from home. It's, I have to go somewhere. So that would be really cool. I should look into that. Um, are you, cause I did hear a little birdie told me that somebody may be taking part this year. Yeah. So, I am highly considering it because I do want to get back into into writing um, because, again, I have all these ideas in my head and they need to come yeah. out of my head. So <laughs> because all they do is just sit there and percolate and then it drives me crazy. So I um over the last couple of months, I have been like on my website. I have like my writing like uh, my writing journal or adventure journey kind of page where I've been writing some blogs. And so I took 
some of my more recent ideas and kind of created a, a first sentence, like a, a novel first sentence for all of those ideas. And then I put it out on social media and I said, hey, vote for the first sentence that you would actually like to read the rest of the book of. Because I have so many ideas, I just don't, I, I wanted some help on which book should I focus yeah. on. And so I did that and, um, and I have a winning sentence. And so that's up on the, on one of my blogs as well. So I kind of have a story. I had, like, I kind of in essence know kind of what I want to do with it, but there's a lot of, um, I don't know. I haven't like, and I don't know, like I've never really written off like a full, like, like I've written stories, but it's like, yeah. you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just writing. Um, yeah. It, I, I like to be a, a writing by seat of my pants kind of go. Yeah. I, I, and so I like, like just writing and getting out. And, and I'm like, but I feel like I should at least have a general idea of what, like, you know, the big, like the big, I, like I just I don't know like I know and I know I'm making excuses right now I'm totally making <laughs> excuses on why I'm not going to be successful at doing this so I'm just gonna I'm going to do it I I want to participate this year um, I have my first sentence already written I know which story I'm going to write about I kind of know where it's going uh, it is it is going to be one if it ever gets published it would be one of those books that has a map at the beginning because we all love uh, maps nice. and. I've actually talked the story through with my daughter, who's 14. She okay. is, uh, she's an artist. And so she, yeah. um, I've told her, I said, you know, if I ever actually make this book and have someone <laughs> pick it up and, you know, even if I self-publish it, if I ever publish it, she is going to be the one who draws my map for me. Um, yeah. So, um, so I've kind of talked to her a little bit about it to help her cause she's an, yeah. she's an artist. She can kind of visualize what it looks like. Mm-hmm. So I kind of told her what I am thinking about for my world. And so she's, she's kind of been like my sounding board and like developing what this world would look like so that I can then kind of take the, my story idea and have a better, um, focus on the world aspect. So I am, and I am going to track my progress on my website, um, and in the, my writing journal or journey area. So, um, so yeah, so I'm, what genre is it? It would probably be considered, uh, like a YA fantasy. Um, there's going to be some, um, some fae and some, um, not so nice humans and <laughs> and um and like the uh, so in essence the fay um as the girl grew up her father is kind of like the um like the ruler the king or whatever of the the human kingdom um but they have imprisoned yeah. they've imprisoned this 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 land of kind of like a basically a land of fairies and she has always grown up to fear them and this is why they're okay. imprisoned and this is why they're there and so as she gets older she begins to be able to go into their world um with you know the armies and her father on these like you know, little trips. And so she's, she's yeah. always been, you know, so, so she's scared the first time she goes. And as she gets older and as she has visited more and she begins to kind of branch off and learns more about their, their world and, and their 
kind of mm-hmm. culture and society, she begins to realize that not everything is as it seems. Uh, and really what her father and the government, it's not like a true government because it's like a fantasy kingdom kind of thing, but what they are doing yeah. and what they are kind of taking from the Fae and, and, and how they're manipulating them and using them. Um, and so then she begins to kind of be like this, like um, working kind of both sides and she realizes how wrong it is of what her father's doing. And so, um, so she ends up having to do some things that she, um, that are dangerous in the human world to kind of help support <laughs> the, the, the fairy world. And so the fairy world is pretty complex. There's different, like, um, it's like el- elemental lands within so that you have the fairy land but then it's like based on the different elements um yeah so yeah so it's it's obviously that is a very very broad basic overview (laughs) um but that's in essence yeah so in in essence that's what it's it's gonna be i want um my husband and i are huge fans of like heist movies so there's there's (laughs) going to be um some type of heist that has to take place where the girl's gonna yeah so the girl's gonna have to have the help of some of some of the fae in order to steal mm. something back from her dad to help support yeah. so yeah so i don't have like all of it but that's the general gist of of where this book is going Ooh. so yeah so we'll see so just follow along what about you are you going to participate this year I am thinking about it. I haven't done it for a long time. And I do find that writing, especially for me, is very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, it makes you feel better. So I am really considering it this year. There's a few kind of ideas I'm kind of tossing around in my head at the moment. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously considering it this year because it has been a while. And it's been a long time since I've actually written kind of anything other than marketing stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so it'd be nice to kind of write for fun rather than writing for, for work. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. Because right. I kind of one, I think one thing that kind of got me thinking is that when I did the post on Instagram about the PCOS, the fact we haven't had any um, any representation in literature. So I'm kind of banding around the idea of having of doing like a character with PCOS. That would be awesome. Yeah. So cause, I mean, we've never seen it in anything. Mm-mm. No. So I, I just kind of, I had a few ideas. So. <laughs> well, that'd be cool. So would that be like more of like a contemporary women's fiction kind of book? Yeah, yeah. I so yeah, yeah, kind of contemporary romance, maybe or contemporary, yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be, or might maybe, maybe a fantasy. Could be, she could go and do stuff. We shall see. Ah. I got a proper a proper thing yet, but still at three weeks. That's all good. <laughs> yeah. So, so get your planning done because November first is right around the corner, and our next show is going to drop November seventh. So right at the beginning of the month. So it'll be a good opportunity for us to kind of talk about. How have you been doing for the first week of the month and what have you gotten? What were, what is the show? Just know that that accountability piece on our show is going to be coming up, uh, at the beginning of November. So no pressure. pressure. (laughs) Um, okay. So, um, um, so then moving into the New York Times bestseller list for this week, um, Hoko is, um, 
No, coho. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> My high school just had homecoming, so we call that hoco. So now let's reverse that and go coho uh, for Colleen Hoover. Uh, yes, I, I really do know what I'm talking about. You should see Liz right now. She has her hand on her head, and she's just so embarrassed to be with me right now. <laughs> Um, anyways, Colleen Hoover, I should just, use, instead of using the abbreviations, I should just refer to people by their name. Colleen Hoover has the number one and number two spot this week. Um, Verity is at number one and it ends with us as number two. But Liz, she still only has two. She doesn't have the majority right now still. So technically this would have been your week. Until next week. Right. Or until week after next. Yeah. <laughs> On the 18th, her next book comes out and then she's going to probably have all five. Um, but Stephen King's fairy tale came in at number three. So it's nice to see that one still in the top five. Um, where the crawdad sing rounds out the top five at number five. It is still at 180 weeks, 180 weeks. Um, and the only book, I know, uh, the only book new to the list in the top five this week comes in at number four. And that is the golden enclaves. So uh, that is a book three of a series by um, Noemi uh, Novik. So if you've read any of her other in that series, her book three came out and is that number four. So that's, oh, and then, of course, our young adult um, hardback, that's the other category we kind of look at because, you know, we're big fans of young adult books, is still Long Live the Pumpkin Queen by Cher Earnshaw, um, or Shay Earnshaw. So that's been two or three weeks now at number one. Uh, yeah, and I think it's been on the list for nine weeks. So um, just, yeah, wow. so just over two months. Uh, and and I don't know necessarily it's it's October. It makes sense right now. Yeah. So I can see it remaining on there for a couple more weeks before something else knocks it off. So so that's your... Yeah, um, unless we have any cool kind of spooky weeks. Yeah. So that's our New York Times bestseller list. And then, Liz, let's wrap this up so we can get to our book club by telling us what are some of the new and upcoming releases that we're going to see in October. Yeah, so we've got quite a few this month. And for what, again, they are exactly the same release dates for UK and US. So neither of us have to, have to wait any longer than each other. Um, so we've got, first of all, The Nines Origins by Kess Truster. It comes out on October 11th. We've got The Passenger by Cormac McCarthy on the 25th. Also, on the same day, we've got uh, The Atlas Paradox, which is the second in the series um, by Olivia Blake. Uh, Olivia, I think it is. <laughs> I always pronounce it Olivia. I know, me too. So, yeah, it's Olivia Blake, uh, Blake. And then we have, of course, Coho uh. coming out on the 18th of October. Um, it starts with us. And on the same day, uh, again, October 18th, there's a bit of a pattern with release dates this month, which is mm-hmm. um, really strange. <laughs> but this one is Poster Girl by Veronica Russ. Yeah. So they have it. We've got some good. We've got some really good authors coming out this month. Cormac McCarthy, I've been really looking forward to. Um, he wrote The Road, which was brilliant read, and of course, No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. So yeah, really good writer. Very much looking forward to that. He's got another one coming out in December as well, and obviously Olivia Blake, which I keep meaning to read the first one. Um, oh, me I too. From, I got it for my birthday. Yeah, it's been on my um, to-be-read list for, I swear, forever. Forever and ever and ever. And then, of course, Veronica Roth. And, of course, right now I'm drawing a complete blank as to what her big series was. Oh, she wrote the Divergent series. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, how can I not remember what she wrote? So yeah, so um, she, she did the Divergent series, so she has a new book coming out. Yeah. And also the one that you bought me for, I think, Christmas, uh, Carve the Mark. Oh, the Carve the Mark duology. Yeah. I really like that, 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 um, that pair, that pair of books. Um, What's the second one? I didn't know. Um, Carve the Mark and. Ah, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'm going to look it up in the break, and when we come back from break, we'll, we'll, I'll tell you what it was. Uh, but I actually really, really liked that particular duology better than I liked the Divergent series. Uh, and I thought the Divergent series was pretty good, but I really, well, really liked yeah. um, Carver. It was just, it was so, it was just different. It was, it's, it's a yeah. really cool, it's a really cool um, book. So, nice. all right. Well, yeah, that is, yeah, this month's upcoming releases. So some, yeah, some great books. So we are going to then take a break, get ourselves put together. We will be back with our um, book club members. We'll be joined by Jennifer and Stephanie again this month for Just Like Home by Sarah Gailey. So um, your warning comes now. If you haven't read the book and you don't want things spoiled, stop listening at our break. If you don't care about the spoilers and you just want to have a really good time listening to us banter about this, um, please come back after break and we will um, kind of dive in and share all of our good, bad, and ugly opinions of the book. Um, so we will be right back. And welcome back. Um, we are so excited to get started on our book club discussion of Just Like Home by Sarah Gailey. We have been joined by our two resident book club members, Jen and Staff. So, ladies, thanks for joining us. Thank you. All right. So, um, right before we started recording, we were just kind of talking about the cover of the book. So, uh, obviously, it's October. We wanted to kind of pick a, a kind of a more creepy, spooky season book to read. So that's why we chose this one. Um, <clears throat> and I, I, Jen was it or Jen or Steph? One of you was or I don't know. Liz, it could have been you. I don't remember. My my memory is not very good today. One of you mentioned that. <laughs> It's unusual that the cover of the book is the same for everybody because a lot of times, Liz, you know that in um, in the UK there tends to be a different cover. But yeah, it's really interesting that yeah, as you say, for example, the last book we all read, Cricket Hearts, that had a different cover for the UK and the US, and it's very rare these days that you actually see one that's exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, Across the continent, across the continent. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, yeah, it's pretty, I wonder, it was really good. I'm, I'm sorry, Karen, Jen. I was just wondering why they do that. Yeah, you know, why they make them different. Huh. I mean, I usually like the UK ones better. That's just me, but. Me too. It's just the interesting. The only thing that I can think is that because maybe in the UK and the US are different publishers, so it's a oh. different. Um, director, oh, that's like, true. Director. Interesting, but I will say I did like the cover. I like the bleeding house. Mm. I did too. So. I thought it was so like minimalist mm-hmm. and just really <laughs> aesthetically pleasing. Like the color contrast between the red and the pink, the bold letters. Like this is this was one I would pick up for the cover alone. Yeah, 
Yeah, and the bleeding, the the way that the the color bleeds. Uh huh. Yeah. And uh, and you know, and then on the back, even that's the very first thing. I don't know if your backs are all the same, um, but that's the very. Oh, you're. Yours You're is different. different. You have, but but you have the same comments at the Mine top. You great. have the same statement at the top that says "home is where the heart bleeds," though, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we all have yeah. the same uh, little slogan. So, um, I will tell you guys that I spent entirely too much time looking at each of these little windows to see if there was a picture in there that I was supposed to find. Like, is there a little ghosty face? <laughs> Is something going on? Like, <laughs> like, I'm really trying to examine it to see if there was a clue. So you're playing yeah. like Where's Waldo with that. the windows? Like, what am I missing? I don't have any windows. Like, you don't have windows. That's a shame. One has praise for the previous book, which I always think is really strange when they do that. Yeah, yeah. I just praise for the Echo Wife. It's like I'm reading home, uh, just like home. Why do I want to know about? How good the echo wife! <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. Um, did any of you read the Echo Wife? No, no, me no. neither. I've had Magic for Liars on my TBR for like three years, but I haven't picked okay. it up. Mm. So this is my first of hers. So good segue. What did you think of it then? Like just your general overall impression of this book. We'll start there. Who wants to say what their overall impression is? I will. I won't hold back. You loved it? Jen, is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. It's so unique, but crazy. Okay. Liz? I enjoyed it. I I don't know if I really loved it. It was a sort of book where it took a while to absorb the whole story once he'd finished it and to really kind of think about it but I really like I I did really like it um it's something that I probably I possibly would consider reading again like in a few years time really hmm. um I think, the more you, I think it's sort of book that if you read it again you'd see more you'd kind of you'd see like the little details and you pick up on more I definitely agree with that yes same hmm I'm going to be the naysayer this whole, whole entire show. I did not particularly care for this book. I... <laughs> I... Tell us all about it. <laughs> so, I, I... Okay. I... It's going to be really funny because I'm posting my review on this book later today. And my word that just kept coming out while I was writing my review was, it's just weird. Like, and, and I mean, it's not like I hated the book. I was just left with a Meh, kind of feeling when I was done with it. And I just, I don't know. I feel like there was a good premise there and a good, like, foundation, um, you know, like the foundation of a house. But I, <laughs> this, this is, this is what's, I know this is going to set you guys. <laughs> I couldn't get past the the idea. Have you guys ever seen the the kids movie Monster House? No. Okay. <laughs> look it up when when we're, when we're done. Look up Monster House. You don't have to watch the movie. Just look up Monster House. And that's all I could think about while I read like this book was this this concept of of the Monster House. And I don't know. I just thought it was weird. And you know, I just I I just. Can we talk about Vera? 
what are your impressions of, of Vera? Like just, I mean, I love the fact that the book kind of took person, uh, personification and the flashbacks to, to, to really drive. Those were the, I felt those were the driving literary elements, but Vera, Vera's characterization drove me crazy. Yeah. She wasn't likable at all. No, and we don't even want to start about Daphne, but Vera was struggling. (laughs) She was gross. She was um, lost. Mm. She was mad and angry and absolutely in love with her dad and so drawn by the creepy that that was the hardest part I had with the whole thing. Yes. I didn't love, I didn't love it because I hated the ending, Mm -hmm. but I did say in my review that this book did scare me. Hmm. Um, There were times in that bedroom that I was creeped out because I myself have been by myself in a house where I swore I saw something or heard something and I was paralyzed by like, did I really just see that? And I was alone. And that kind of writing does scare me. And it's hard for someone to scare me. Most books like that horror do not scare me. I'm like, oh, I couldn't really, I could see that, but it didn't scare me. This one, just a couple of times. And that mother being in that room dying was so creepy. And the mystery was great. Mystery was great. You're like, what is going on here? Uh-huh. Okay. And that's why I, I love think it if we it. if we had just had adult Vera's point of view, it would have been a totally different experience. Like cuz that yeah. that was confusing. She was all over the place. And like you I didn't really feel like she and I think that's the point, but I she never really had a handle on like is she afraid? Is she not afraid? Is she defiant? Is she uh-huh. like she was all over the place on her reactions to the house. But then when you get the flashbacks and you realize, like, how messed up teenage girls, then you're like, oh, like, this, this it's just messed up. Like, that's just who you are. Okay. Like, yeah. yeah. I should stop trying to understand you because this is weird. Yes. Mm-hmm. Weird. And I yeah. kept trying to make a link between her dad and her and their mental illness, maybe. And then that didn't even connect for me. And I was yeah, like, what is going on here? I don't think it was that. I think, like you said, like, she just loved him so much that this, like, hero worship of hers, once she realized, like, what he was and what he was into, she was like, yep. I'm yes. all in. Like, like, and how, how do you, this is what we do. Like, how, like, she's 14, like, when he was finally arrested, he was 14, she was 14. And the, and obviously we know that the reason he was arrested was because she acted in a way that she learned by watching him. She's 14. You mean to tell me that a 14 year old doesn't know right from wrong and stabbing somebody is like, I have a 14-year-old daughter right now, and <laughs> pretty sure she's not going to go around stabbing people. It just, it's just like, but you're right. I think she, like, I think Liz, Liz commented to me, like, when we're reading the book about daddy issues. <laughs> like, she, you're, it was just like, it was just so weird, that relationship between her and her father. It was just like... Ew! Like how she was, I, she was very 
she was very emotionally immature. She had mm-hmm. no emotional awareness. I mean, what fourteen-year-old? How do you get to fourteen still believing that there that there is green, there is grey ooze inside men and not blood? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You taught about like biology <laughs> and. Did, like, like you would, you would ask, you would speak to your friends and go, "Oh, this is what my dad said." Or, but she didn't have any friends besides Brandon, though. So, I, she Brandon. never had friends. Mm-hmm. She never had friends. Yeah. At least she had Brandon, though. Not really. That, yeah. <laughs> but do you think it's different because Brandon was a boy, and it was that whole issue with the gray goose being in, in in men, and and so she maybe she didn't feel she could talk to him about what her dad was doing or saying or what she was seeing when she was like looking through the little people because it was a man had she had girlfriends it might have been completely different different. i'd really like to know more about (laughs) what caused her dad to Mm. think that because at the when you get to the end and she's kind of learning how it all played out i still am not completely certain the like the dad's motivations versus the mom's influence like yeah the the dad seemed like a sweet simple guy who also murdered people um and then like the mom was just this crazy heavy presence Mm -hmm. all the time that it almost felt like he was proving himself to her by Mm -hmm. doing it and i would really wish that that had been fleshed out a little bit more in the like, what did the mom know and why and what yeah. was going on there? There was one small comment at the end of the book that that that, that Daphne, whatever, made that kind of aligns to that where I'm like, it really seems as if Daphne was pulling the puppet strings of Francis and Francis was killing these men because Daphne was, was like influencing his, him and almost like making him do it. Right. That's kind of how I felt. That's, yeah. yeah and it was, totally leads you in that direction. And then this whole thing about the house, like you feel like that's the evil presence until the end. Yeah. I uh, Right, because we all think the house has power over all of this, and then all of that happens when it goes into Daphne, and I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And you keep saying you're protecting her, like, what? Right? Didn't the house Uh say that it was protecting her from what? (laughs) And it didn't seem evil to me at the very end. Right? No, it was almost like it was protecting her from Daphne and or the parental dynamic. Well, yeah, because she, uh, the house is saying how she protect, how it protected her from hearing about the deaths and about the arguments and things like that to, to protect her. But it makes you think, makes you wonder whether if she had heard these arguments between the parents, she might have realized sooner that it, he didn't want to do this, that it was the mother pulling the strings, the mother forcing him to commit these murders. Yeah, she so could have put it you wonder, Exactly, yeah. and would it, he yeah. would she wouldn't have seen him in the same light? So it makes you wonder: Did you help her? Did you protect her? Or did you just do what you felt Blind was right? Her. Yeah. yeah, exactly, and make her see things in a completely different light. Yeah, and that's I why. I, that, yeah, I just mm-hmm. feel like this book 
left a lot of loose ends. There are a lot yeah. of sort of unanswered questions that you were just like, so what happened to that? Or why didn't they do that? Like, I think one of the biggest things for me, and I spoke to Holly about this, is why did Brandon come back to the house? Yes. Back in after she stabbed him. Yes. Like, he <laughs> totally... Totally, like her, her. He's actually obviously traumatized by it, and you could tell in his reaction and when he sees her for that first time. But I don't understand the point of him coming back to her. And, and I'm just like, you didn't grow up in this house. I get why she's screwed up and weird, but you didn't experience all of these things. So uh, why don't you realize? Hmm. She's crazy. Her dad killed my father. Yeah. Uh, she almost tried to kill me. I'm, one, going to leave this small town. Two, if she comes back, I'm not going anywhere near this woman who tried to kill me. <laughs> yeah, that didn't really work for me either. I he I To me, I said, well, he was so out of it, he didn't remember. That's what, yeah, yeah, he was losing blood so flat. That's how I resigned myself to it because nobody would regularly say, "Oh, why aren't you doing time?" Like they yeah. should have arrested you. Why? Yeah, because that's what I think. It's like her dad was arrested for what happened to Brandon, and nobody mentioned the fact that it was her who stabbed right, him down there. Yeah. yeah, but also when she when Brandon tries to leave and she catches him, he hits his head on the stairs, and part of me uh... thought like. Does he not remember? Like, right. does he, like, because they very specifically mention that he, like, smashes his head. And I'm like, that's, that's got to be why. There's, I can't imagine that Brandon would cover for her at that point. Right. But he even wakes thinks, up yeah. and says, what are you doing? What are you doing? You yeah. know, and I thought he, but, you know, for me, that just didn't work. Mm-hmm. So maybe he just thinks that it was the father that did everything. And he, he's yeah. just more repulsed by the fact that obviously her father was. Or maybe he doesn't want to examine it that closely at all, and he's just going to go with the story because <laughs> it's too dramatic to unpack yeah. otherwise. Here's the other thought. Once Vera leaves the basement to go get her father, when she realizes that, oh, this isn't gray ooze coming out of him, it is actually blood, and, he, and they come back down, they see the... The house. the house, the house, doing something to him, but we never know what the house yeah. is doing to him to know well, if maybe that influenced anything too. But the house mentioned it at the end. Mm-hmm. He's trying he to talked about like not being able to not help fix it, but like save him. Keep, yeah, save him. And I was like, what does yeah. that mean? Exactly. Like, so what mean, did the house do? Well, didn't the house um, shove the, the gauze into the wound? Because when she came back yes. down, she ha- he yes. had gauze in the wound. It did do that. But it also, like, cleaned the knife. Like, it kind of, like, it was, it mm. has to sustain off of. Oh, it absorbs the blood, doesn't it, as well, into the house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but then it was saying that it doesn't do as well with blood as other fluids, I guess. Yeah, you're not supposed to see me. You're not supposed to see me. Yeah. What was that about? It was like, I couldn't work fast enough for Brandon, and I guess that's why they had to use the gauze. I will tell you that, like, the end does create so many questions. Like, And I didn't think that it would be that way because I felt like the first 90% of the book, she did a really good job of, Mm. like, 
alluding to things, but not totally answering it. And then you've got these pieces over time that I thought was just perfectly paced. Mm-hmm. But then you get to yeah. the end and you're like, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> like what just happened? Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. And I, 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 go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, was it just me or did it feel like the beginning part? It felt like it was going to be more about the father it, and it almost felt like it was a red herring. It was going so, it's focusing so much on the father, you thought this is going to be the main focus. Mm-hmm. And then it suddenly shifts to the house. And the father was kind of like a, almost like a supporting role. Mm-hmm. He was a, a minor character compared to, to the, the character of the house. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I didn't think that it, sh- I agree with you that it shifted from the father. I didn't think it shifted to the house. I thought it shifted to her. So for me, the plot shifted when she went down and talked to the guy in the basement. Mm. And I was like, you know, like, (laughs) hold on. Like when they do that reveal that not only does she know that she's been watching and she knows that it's 14 days and like, she's got another, I really thought at that point it was going to shift to her following her father's legacy uh, the house being yeah. a character at the end really happen. surprised me yeah and it was it was like the whole first part of the book was like her like all the flashbacks were her and her father's relationship and then it shifted to and i thought the same thing and you're actually kind yeah. of led to believe that she's going to in some ways with how what mm. what she does at the end but then it becomes mm-hmm. a shift of her relationship with her and her father to a relationship with her in the house and it's like, I mean, she's like, you think about that scene where she's like, oh, let me pull this skin off of you and let me oh. see. Like, yeah, that was, ew, that was so really? Oh. Like, what is happening? Yeah. And dislocates yeah. her jaw. <laughs> and oh, there's all this yeah. grease and stuff. Like, the and whole rot and decay. And, <laughs> but she's like, oh, wait, let me touch you. Let me see you. Ew. Yeah, yeah it was, was really creepy. creepy. It was really creepy. <clears throat> I hated the ending. I hated the ending. Yeah, me too. It was. Yeah, I, I didn't like the ending. Um, I thought it was good, <laughs> but I hated the ending. Uh-huh. Here's a question, though. Um, if the house was trying to protect her, why did she allow? Why did the house allow her to find that peephole to witness these murders and to witness all the torture? Ooh. That's a question <clears throat> that we're never going to know. <laughs> There's so many questions. We can just make it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, Who put that hole in that ground? You know, I think part of it is – so, okay – Obviously, the father built the house with his own hands because that phrase was repeated 300 million times in the book, and I thought I was going to scream if I had to read it one more time. So, don't forget, he built the house by hand to protect the family. Right. So, um, I, I, I have a, a slight answer to Liz's question, but then my other question is, he built the house. How did this... I don't know what you want to call it, spirit, entity, possession of the house. How did that happen? How did this, like, thing end up in the house? But that's a whole other question. But as far as the house was built pretty much when she was born. So I think Mm -hmm. the house 
never wanted her to leave. So if it found a way to connect her to the house and like the house apparently needs the blood, I think to like continue to exist in the way it existed, that it needed her to know what was going on to kind of like what we talked about earlier, follow in her father's footsteps to do what she needed to do to keep the house alive. Um, if you want to sit, call it alive. So that's kind of like my take on it, because then you look at how it, the book ended and it's like, what happened with James Duvall? It's like, that was my biggest question about the end of the book. I'm like, does she become a serial killer and stay in this house and feed the house? And mm-hmm. so, yeah. I think she has okay, to. If we're, mm-hmm. if we're following on your idea, that would mean in theory, because we know that the mother was kind of the, the one in control of the father. <laughs> In theory, that means that the mother invited whatever this thing in the house is, because she's the she's almost like the one that controlled the death, and she told the father, "You need to keep killing." So perhaps they had the the relationship, the Daphne and the house. They also talk about when that when when Vera is realizing that the house is a thing, like a, a separate entity. She kind of thinks about the fact that like. This is made from all of their hair that goes down the drain and blood that has gone down the drain from the basement. And so I kind of thought of it as like, he clearly built that house to be a serial killer, right? Like you don't just build people's yeah. and floors to the basement and soundproof every room. But it almost made me wonder if the house itself, when he built it, was just a house. And then all of the horror and trauma and quite literally bits of people kind of created like not your traditional haunting where you would maybe have like the spirit of people who were killed there but that combined with the actual physical remnants of the people in the house became a new thing yeah i could see that it evolved into this darkness yes yes like in both the traditional haunting sense of like being a spirit but then also actually having (laughs) a physical form and I thought oh, it was really weird that it had a physical form at the end because every other time she'd seen it, it was just a shadow. Uh-huh. Mm. And so it was like, why now? Like, why climbing out from under her Ikea bed that goes all the way to the floor? Does it now have a body as opposed to every other time she's seen it when it's just a shadow? Hmm. And speaking of the Ikea bed, um, so apparently like it seems like this this entity this shadowy thing lived under her bed pretty much like gives new meaning to the Mm -hmm. monster under your bed and Mm -hmm. is that why then once she got this ikea bed that has no under the bed it goes flush is that why it moved the bed and propped the end of the bed up onto Mm -hmm. the shelf so that it had some place to kind of like exist That does make sense. But then I have a question. Because it props it up on that drawer, right? Mm -hmm. The drawer that holds the letters. Mm -hmm. And then the letters are taken. So how does that work? Because the house doesn't like James. Mm -mm. Like, they're at odds. So does James sneak into her bedroom and take the letters and not think, oh, this is weird? (laughs) Like, her bed is propped up on the dresser. Because he would have mentioned that. He was way too nosy not to. Or do you think he stole them before because she put them away and didn't really look at them or did she did he steal them before that happened? And she just didn't know. Mm-hmm. 
Because maybe, maybe um, when he stole them, maybe the house was currently occupying Daphne, so she had other thing, things to focus on, perhaps. It, there could other be. Things. Yeah. Yeah, that's what kept me reading. I was looking for closure everywhere I turned around each corner, hallway, mm-hmm. that bedroom. I said, yeah. oh, good, we're going to, we're going to, this is going to be fixed here because she's finally got the guts to do something while she's in town. Mm -hmm. And then that happened and I was like, I I don't know anymore. (laughs) I don't know anymore. And I don't know about him. And he was always creepy too. But when he said he was getting the house, yeah, James was was getting the house, but everything changed for me. And that's like, talk about like an obsessed true crime, like, fan fanatic about like you know you hear about people who are just like who idolize like you know these serial killers james was just creepy with his like love for um francis in this house like yeah Yeah, using the old porch with to paint on and using the letters um Oh, and taking bits of concrete from the basement. Yeah, and hurting the house because, like, that's really why the house didn't like James was because James was hurting the house by taking pieces of it and slicing and dicing it. Yeah. But the question is, I, I do wonder, think. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> what was your question? I was just going to say, I don't know whether they had any if they started killing in this house or whether the mother had this kind of sort of murderous nature before they moved into the house. Hmm. There had to have been something or they wouldn't have built a murder house. Yeah, I agree. The only room that was was soundproofed was this basement, wasn't Mm -hmm. it? I thought you made a comment about all all of the walls protecting sound. I thought thought so too. I thought it it was inferred that like nobody could hear what was going on in there. Mm-hmm. And I took it to be that the house purposely chose when to buffer the sounds and when not to. That's what, yeah. To like when the parents, yeah. Cause when the parents were arguing, she could hear the argument yeah. begin, but then the oh, house yeah. soundproofed well, it. Yeah. When she clicked four times. Yeah. What's up with the snap in the fingers four times? Like, I think that was good. I think that's her thing. way of like, Summoning the house. Exactly. Yeah. Telling the house to, like, mm. just save me, help me, anymore. something's wrong. Exactly. Yeah. But then, you know, you also think about if the house was trying to protect her this whole time, why did it almost, like, purposely scare her? Like, it was like she was always scared of, like, something under her bed. It always freaked her out. It always scared her. Like, you would think that if it was always trying to protect her, that it would try to not scare her. Well, I thought her bedroom was like a punishment for her as a child. Mm-hmm. And even early on, her dad had to help her because she kept hearing things. Then to me was associated with what was seeping up through that, you know, looking mm-hmm. hole. And so she was so lost and didn't have friends and didn't know who she was or how come she was so weird. But she had a love with being in a room. But every time she was there, it was so desolate. And she was almost trapped, I felt like. So mm. she didn't know anything else, but it was really creepy. And then when you find out that there's all that stuff going on right below her room, no wonder she had this vibe of fear. Yeah. But then you know? as soon as she as soon as she discovered kind of 
what was going on. It, it was almost like she wasn't so scared anymore. She was almost intrigued because she was I know. monitoring. She was keeping track of how many days he would be, they would be down there until they were killed, which was really creepy. And it's I mean, the exact opposite of what any of us would feel. You know, yeah. it's like it almost calmed her and we're all going, yeah. what? Yeah. Like, you really yeah. are strange. Yeah. Like, like how do you know wrong. this is not wrong? Like, you're watching your father kill people. And then when he took Brandon's dad and, you know, and she's like, I, I'm pretty sure that's who it was when she was like, it's okay. Yeah. You'll be gone tomorrow. It, it's like trying to yeah. sue them. And it's like. Your dad's going to kill this guy tomorrow. That was a different guy. That was Andrew. Oh, the one that the police came about. She went down and yelled at him. It was like, you deserve this because you're a horrible father. Yes. That that was written really really well for horror. Like, that was really on point. Like, that just scared me. I'm just like, what is happening? This is so (laughs) crazy and scary. And, like, nobody is stopping this. Yeah, it's a little girl out of there. She's losing her mind. <laughs> oh. She's gonna try to. She's gonna kill him. I felt like. Oh my God, yeah. At the end, when they're talking about like her hunger and like when she gets mad at James and mm. she's finally feeling like fulfilled or full, which is yes. creepy. That almost makes me wonder if this is a something. When Daphne talks about like her foulness and. Like, what's wrong with her? Like, if this is almost something genetic she's gotten uh-huh. from the mom, right? Because yeah. it's clearly not the dad. But yeah. Daphne never makes an attempt to remove herself from the situation. Her husband goes to prison for being a serial killer. She basically disowns her kid and then puts the house up for tours. I know. So, like, she really, like, thrived off of that. And you would think that she, if she recognized it in Vera, she would have wanted to nurture it. Uh And I don't understand why she didn't do that. But I feel like by the end of the book, Vera had really embraced the same grossness Mm -hmm. and weirdness that her mom. I wonder if Daphne is because perhaps Daphne was almost ashamed, maybe. She didn't want her daughter to be like that, which is why she kicked her out of the house after the, the father went, because she couldn't have kicked her out before then. The father wouldn't have allowed her to leave the house um, because the father was too protective over the over Vera. So perhaps it was almost that she was doing this because she doesn't want her to turn out that way. She didn't want her to, to be the evil that her mother became. Mm. Here's an interesting thing. So... Back to the Brandon and that situation. So, you know, she had that interaction with Brandon when they kissed. And then she goes home and she tells her mom. And her mom's like, don't tell your dad. And then she ends up telling her dad. And her dad's like, don't tell your mom. And then the next thing you know, Brandon's dad goes missing. So... Obviously, there's issues with both Daphne and Francis. So who, because they both said don't tell the other parent for whatever reason, but she did. So who do you think out of those two parents really initiated the situation with taking Brandon's dad? And why Brandon's dad and not Brandon if they were mad about what Brandon was doing? Is it because he was a kid and it's the father's responsibility to teach the son how to treat a girl or 
I think that would have been more the dad because the dad was very protective over Vera. I think. No, and I felt like it was driven by the mom. If I really think about it. If if she's the one that thinks men are full of grease and grossness, then I think that she she would be the one that say like you have to punish this guy for this but then why wouldn't he want why wouldn't she have wanted to fight I don't know play? yeah <laughs> that would that would be my question too whole book <laughs> yeah it's just it's just it's just there's so many things it's like i just don't understand and i get in fiction that there's a s- certain amount of suspension of disbelief and you just got to roll with the punches yeah, yeah. yeah and that's fine it's but when it's like so many it's just mm-hmm. like it it begins to just make the book not make sense and it's just like there's just so many questions to it yeah. so i don't know I didn't really feel like I had a lot of questions until the end. And then there were so many questions that it's like, I feel like I've just spun a complete 180. I mean, there's literal characters you didn't even know really existed for the entire book. And it's this whole new, like, wait, what world am I reading about right now? Because this is not what I thought it was. Yeah. And, you know, and it's interesting because I think we mentioned it just briefly about, like, once, you know, Francis goes to prison and he dies in prison um, and she basically locks up Vera for the rest of her, you know, those next three, three or so years until she can leave and she leaves. And then she turns her house into a revolving tourist attraction for those true crime fans. It's, it's like she is capitalizing and, like thriving and reveling in the fact that she has this murder house and you know i mean it keeps food on her table i guess but yeah see i would have i would have thought that but then we found out that he wasn't that james wasn't being charged rent yeah so that's because he was getting the house because she was dying (laughs) so i don't think it's a financial thing but i think it was potentially more a like a continuation of the adrenaline rush of, mm-hmm. oh, look at my house. People mm-hmm. died, yeah, people died here and seeing the people kind of coming around and seeing the areas. I think it was more, and reviving the memories because obviously that was something that she, she must have enjoyed because she made the husband do it so much. Mm-hmm. So I think it was I more felt she like, did. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, know, sorry. I was just going to say, um, I think it was more she didn't want to put the memories to, to bed kind of thing. She didn't mm-hmm. want, to forget or the other people to forget. And it seems like that Francis killing people was like his way of proving himself to her, right? Like proving mm-hmm. his love. Yeah, and so now she can tweak that and have other people prove that they adore her too. They want to be in her space. They want to see the life. I mean, she let them lay in the bed. Like, yeah. How weird so is that? You know, it, it covered everything with the plexiglass and like made it into this museum that like everybody mm. wants to come see me. I think she just deflected that attention into a new group of people. Uh-huh. Mm. So another question. And it kind of goes back and supports the idea that, like, maybe this is just a genetic, like, hereditary foulness. Because after her childhood, 
she turns 17, 18, she leaves the house. All these years later, she talks about how she can't really hold down a job very long because as soon as someone realizes who she is and recognizes her name as Vera Crowder and blah, 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 that she ends up getting fired or laid off and she has to move on. I would think that if this was me, as soon as I was able to be out on my own, the first thing I would do was change my name so there was no connection. But she made a point about talking about that, about how she would not change her last name. So in many ways, it is as if she herself did not want to make a clean cut from the house, from the family, from what her dad did. And it was almost inevitable that this was going to happen. Like no matter what she did, she was always going to end up going back to the house because she, you know, she's like, I'm a crowder. I'm not changing my name. And we end with her fully accepting this house and who she is. I mean, cause there was never any shame. She never had any shame about what her father did. Or mm-hmm. anything that went on, it was almost like pride. Mm-hmm. She was proud of her her father for getting rid of these this ooze from these men and saving these men, um, and saving himself. So I think that's why she didn't change the name because she was proud of the name. She was she was proud of where she was she came from. I mean, not necessarily the mother because the mother never really showed any love towards her. But I think she was. Very, as you say, she was always destined to go back mm-hmm. because it was almost like completing the circle. It was almost like completing the, the whole cycle of where they started with our house and where she would finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thank I agree. I wonder, of the father. I wonder too, like, because they don't actually go into too much of the story about her father in his time as a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Like, she moved around a lot. It's weird to me that people would have recognized her name or her face by that. So that implies to me that this was like a long-term murder situation, right? Like this just mm-hmm. wasn't just a couple people and Brandon's dad in the basement. Like in this small town, like if she's moving around and people are recognizing her name off the bat mm-hmm. 20 years later or however old she is now, like yeah, I just feel like dad must have been really prolific and I – Infamous. We kind of yeah. wish we knew more about that mm-hmm. because yeah. I mean, to create such a following—that's not just your normal small town murder spree, right? This is like this is like Casey. Ted Bundy level, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's a big deal. No, exactly. I'd like to know more about that. I mean, yeah. we know it went on for quite some time, didn't we? We don't know exactly when it started, but we didn't we see her first when she was eight or nine. So what? we know that it went on for at least five years. And I'm guessing it went on for at least the entirety of her life because she didn't know because there was a while where her bedroom was upstairs. It wasn't until they moved her bedroom downstairs that she was, yeah, so at least, and then like, you know, we talked about earlier, like they built this house with this basement designed this basement in this very particular way. So it's almost like he was probably killing people before they built this house and realized yeah. I don't have the you know my my setup the way I want it to work for me so let's build a house yeah let's build the home office <laughs> that's true because it's not like they built that house and then went oh I think I'll kill people in ten years like, yeah yeah 
I definitely think there was something going on. And, and, you know, and we don't have a lot of that because all of our information, even in our flashbacks, come from, from Vera's point of view. It's it's really delving into the development of Vera's relationship with her dad and then how over that time the relationship between Vera and her mom continues to to fall apart, to become more of a, a jealousy, animosity between you know, really from the mom to the daughter, um, because, you know, the dad loved Vera more than it seemed like he loved Daphne. But I wonder whether, because, I mean, take your average normal Joe. No way would you be able to persuade them, oh, if you love me, you'll you'll kill all these people <laughs> because you're removing their great, great ooze. So <laughs> do you think that he was, like, special? Do you think that he may have had mm. something wrong with him that he accepted this and that he ended up believing in this grey ooze inside of men? Because when he spoke to Daph- when he spoke to Vera, he seemed to kind of believe it about the grey ooze. Mm-hmm. I thought there was mental illness there. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that he had to do it. Like it was just something that was a part of him. Yeah, that's why he could keep doing it. I I think it I definitely think there's mental illness there for him to be able to continually mm. do it. But I do see where you're coming from, and I do wonder the same thing if there was um, more than just mental illness, but maybe some type of I don't know, like autism. Or- yes, something going on that makes him a little bit more yeah. susceptible to influence and pressure from others. And Daphne is obviously a very strong bulldozer type of personality that if you have any type of weakness like that that she you know would probably have tremendous influence and at that point you know she's accepting him and maybe at the time when they got together like he'd never been accepted or he's like you know oh here's someone who's gonna accept me and love me and you know i don't know She, he, in his explanations to Vera about, like, why parents fight and, like, all those different things, like, he always said, like, sometimes a mom has to tell or a wife has to tell her husband, like, what they're doing wrong so that they can be better. Like, it definitely seemed, like, he accepted that role in his marriage that, like, she was the boss and she was going to tell him what to do and he needed to keep her happy, like, in all of their dynamic. Mm-hmm. And so I can yeah. see that easily if she is the type of person to prey on other people and her, you know, meeting whenever they met in their lives, this soft, influenceable person. And he was like, yes, someone loves me. And she's like, yes, I can control you. <laughs> Clearly that's went out of control, but it seems to fit with how he explained relationships mm-hmm. to Vera. So then is she telling him to kill people just so she could get kind of like that adrenaline, that secondary adrenaline rush from knowing he's doing this? Because you never really hear anything about her going to the basement and watching. Like, so she's not getting anything kind of creepy out of like watching it happen. So what then is she getting out of him killing? Good question. (laughs) <laughs> that is a yeah. good question. Because, I mean, like, I, it would be different if, like, you know, how people like to, like, uh, the, the creepers out there like to watch things happen. 
that would that would at least give some type of answer, but you, you don't get the idea. I mean, you see Vera watching, and that's kind of creepy too. But mm-hmm. Daphne is just like she knows it's happening. We we all kind of agree that she's making him do it. But then why? Yeah, I mean, this, this is creepy, but just putting it out there, we don't know what happens with the remains of the bodies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe she had a thing. Oh, Liz! <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't. We can't say you're wrong. No, because they even talk about the fact that they never they never find the bodies. Like, even after Brandon's dad was murdered, they never found him. Um, and she very clearly says, and they're not going to. Right. Like. Yeah. Maybe some... Ew. It is very interesting to me that we are spending so much time talking about Daphne, who in the book itself is such a minor presence. Mm. Yeah. But in reality, it's such this overarching yeah, I mean, thing in the yes. story. In the, in the story, she's pretty much central because she's the one that yeah. pretty much started all this. Yeah. She creates yeah. the narrative. But you also yeah. think about the symbolic piece of this. So when she gets back to the house, Vera or uh, Daphne's in basically a hospice bed in the dining room. So it's almost like she is in the center of the house. She never leaves the center of the house and everything continues to revolve around her. So it's almost very symbolic of how she has been her entire life being that that center of everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. And Francis is circling around her and Vera is circling around her. And it's like it's all calmed down now to the to fruition at the end of her life where she is smack dab in the middle of the house and everything is still revolving around her and she doesn't have to do anything she doesn't have to be a major character well remember she's she's dead after day one so it makes you think i mean the house is supposedly protecting her from the death yet she's he's prolonging the pain it's prolonging Mm -hmm. the pain of death and meaning that he has that vera has to continue to look after her and do everything and it doesn't make sense why he would delay the death I think it has to do with the fact she wasn't ready to kill James. I think it was all about the fact that James was going to get that house and the house did not want James to get it. And she was not ready yet to embrace who she truly is. And so he, the house had to keep doing things until she finally could do what she needed to do. But Liz made a good point, too, that if you went back and read this one again, you would see it completely different. Mm-hmm. Completely. Mm-hmm. You see all the little kind of hints and yes. plays. I but mean, it makes sense. You know all the little notes that she found around the house? Yeah. Did the house, um, did the house leave those for her to make her remember everything, to make her remember the past, and to kind of build up so. that that rage, that hunger? I think the house found the journal. Mm. And that's right? an interesting like, point because they mentioned, yeah, that, that like we have no. That's the one thing that we never find. Mm-hmm. It was and James didn't have it. He didn't know. He didn't know it existed. I wanted to just hear one prison letter. One. Yes. I yes. One letter. one letter, and we get none. Like yeah. that was like that was really one. weird. Like I'm uh, that surprised me that we didn't even get a piece of one. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I have a couple questions about James, who, first of all, is one of the most unlikable characters I've ever read. Like, that man <laughs> just needed to be throat oh punched God. a little bit. <laughs> but, um, so two things. One, when she goes and she looks at his art and she realizes that her father's letters are parts of it, do you guys notice they're in different handwritings? Like, not all the handwriting is her dad's handwriting. Yeah, in the book, I thought that was strange. So I wasn't sure if, like, James was recreating some of the letters or what. Or did it, or did yeah, but she says it's his, and then you look at it, and it looked different. Yeah. Hmm. She, she, it's one of those things, like, some of the descriptions, as we've talked about, are very repetitive. You hear them a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and she talks about recognizing her dad's rounded handwriting, and then there's a couple snippets on those boards that are not hmm. that handwriting. And I was like, well, is that because it's in jail and he... Yeah. Right. It's different now. Interesting. So I thought that was really interesting. Like maybe James was taking some personal liberties and trying to inflate the situation. Uh, But also at the end, the house keeps James from leaving. Right. Mm -hmm. Like they're able to keep the door shut and they're like, no, you're, you're not going. Mm -hmm. Why couldn't the house have stopped James entirely? Like, at what? Why did the house let James hurt it? Why did J- the house let James in at all? Like that part, I didn't really understand. That if the house can take some action, and clearly the house can move beds and shut doors and do all these things, why did the house never act out against James? I why did it need Vera? Go ahead, Liz. I, I want to see if you're going to say the same thing I'm going to say. Well, they said about they needed a body in the house. They need, like, somebody with a pumping heart, somebody who's alive. So perhaps mm. because of the fact that Daphne was dying, the house didn't have enough strength. It didn't have enough power. Oh, interesting. So until yeah. Vera came, it couldn't really do much. Yeah, that hmm. makes sense. And I was going to say that I, I think that the house – in some ways needed someone there, but needed Vera to accept and act upon who she truly is in order to continue what the house needs to thrive and to have Vera there. So kind of like building off of what you said, Liz, like almost, but, but it's gotta be her because she's the one who is Francis's daughter. She's the one who has this foulness and the house, the house is trying to get her to to recognize that and embrace that foulness. And without James, she would never have done that because there's nobody mm-hmm. else there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's her oh, destiny. That's a good theory. I like that. Her destiny. Fun destiny. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the most Yay. messed up quest ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Like, is this like a hero's journey and the house is kind of like her little, like, mentor that seeks her through to... Okay. <laughs> oh, God. Crazy. Oh, my. All right. So, final, final thoughts on the story. Steph, we'll start with you. Um, loved it. I... I don't think I'm going to easily forget how I felt when I realized 13 year old Vera was just super messed up, (laughs) you know, like 
that part in the basement when you realize she knows and she's down with it is that was really like revelatory for me. And and that kind of thing is really is what stuck with me for the book and made me enjoy it so much. The way the story was told and then the way that it just gripped you and sat with you. I was just, I just thought it was very well written, but the end definitely uh, threw me for a loop. Okay. Jen, your overall thoughts. Okay. Um, I thought it was really scary, which I didn't think it would it would actually scare me. I thought it was very well written. Um, everybody was creepy and it was gory and it kept me reading because of all the mystery. Like that part was done really well and it didn't give me any closure. It probably had more answers at the end, but overall I think it's a great Halloween read and it was it was done in a really great format. Okay. Liz. Pretty much the same. So I think it was, it was a shocking, it was pretty shocking at times. Um, I liked the writing and I felt that the use of time was, was done really well. It wasn't too kind of bitty when they went back to the past and when they came forward again, it worked quite smoothly. I, it, again, it kept me engaged. It kind of kept me reading. But the only thing is, as I say, yeah, the ending just, it left too many loose ends that I want something else. I want just like, even a little novella to, to tie up some of those loose ends or like a prequel. Mm. Find out kind of what happened when she was very, very young. Um, just something because I didn't feel satisfied by the end because mm-hmm. there was just yeah. too much hanging in the air. Um, but no, I mean, I read it really quickly. I it would I couldn't put it down. It was such a an engaging read. Um, I really enjoyed it. Hi. Uh, so, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I agree with the fact that it it was a it was an easy read. I liked the fact that you know it it was one of those books where I was just like. I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe that this character is thinking this. I can't. So I, I, it made me keep reading, even though I didn't like the characters. I, I wasn't super like, oh my God, about the plot. But it was like, I, I just, I, I, I had to see what happened next. Like I, you know, everything was like, how, how does this kid not know this is wrong? How does this just everything. I just had so many questions throughout the whole thing. And I was just like, almost like flabbergasted throughout the whole book about what was happening. And I'm like, I gotta, I gotta have closure at the end. And then you get to the end and you're yeah. just like, um, what? And it yeah. was just, it was just so weird. Yeah. It was weird. And mm-hmm. I do agree. It is, it is a great book to read in, in, in the creepy season in, in October. It didn't really creep me out. I just, again, I just thought it was weird versus anything else. So I, I, you know, I, I, I'm, yeah, I have a lot of questions, but at the same time, I'm just like, I don't even really know what to say other than it was weird. (laughs) Oh, sorry. It was weird. It was. was Yeah. (laughs) 
but and it was and it, but i mean i do give credit for the fact that it was a very different book like i have never read anything like that so yeah. i really appreciated kind of like a new creative like approach to to like a like a thriller horror kind of book so i love yeah. that and i love the fact that the very first sentence of the book it is almost like foreshadowing because it really, I mean, the first sentence is the Crowder house clung to the soil the way damp air clings to hot skin. Like that right there, wow. that personification That's from serious. the very first words mm-hmm. should have foreshadowed a little bit about what we were going to get about the house from the end. So I really appreciated that personification throughout attached with the flashbacks. I thought it was a very good pairing of, of literary aspects. Um, but overall I was like, eh. now if you guys reread the book, I would love to hear your opinions on the second read. I can say I probably won't be reading it again, <laughs> but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on yeah. If 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 you I had a different that, perspective, you're like you're recognizing of the first sentence and everything it foretells. Like that's something that we would get yeah. from a second reading, mm-hmm. right? That's You'd be funny. like, oh, right. I sense this now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I do think that you know down the road that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just saying. All right. Well, that was a super fun discussion of the book. Yeah. Um, but ladies, if you remember, we always do our either or to wrap up our show. So yeah. um, Liz and I, we, we are very on top of what we need to do. And we were very, very well prepared for our either or. So, um, yeah, we did it right before the show started. So um, <laughs> we are doing a Halloween creepy, creepy issues or edition. So, Liz, I'm going to pass it off to you. Okay, so um, if we go Jen, Steph, and then over to Holly, um, when we go around the order, and I'll see myself. So are you guys ready? Yeah. Ready. Okay, so Stephen King or Anne Rice? Jen? Who, me? Yep, you start. Oh, (laughs) Anne Rice. Stephen King. Stephen King. Stinking. Witches or vampires? Uh, witches. Witches, but barely. <laughs> I'm going witches. I'm going to go vampires. Mm. Um, trick or treat? Trick. Treat. Treat. Yeah, treat. <laughs> Supernatural horror or paranormal horror? Paranormal. Supernatural? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go paranormal. I think it's the only thing that ever really scares me. I'm going to go supernatural. Nights in a graveyard or nights in a haunted house? Nights in a graveyard. I want to do both. I want to do both. I'm going to go with a night in a graveyard. Oh, my God. That's so scary. I'm going night in a haunted house. 
Yeah, I'm going to hide in a haunted house. Oh, <laughs> you guys the same way. yeah, ladies, that's so creepy. You're already outside. You can run away. The house might allow you out. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the gates. And there's there might be barbed wire on the top of the gates. <laughs> we won't talk about that. <laughs> That's for another episode. Zombies or ghosts? Zombies. Ghosts. Zombies. Zombies. Candy corn or licorice? This is American again, honey. Jeez. You don't licorice. have candy corn or licorice in the United Kingdom. We, we have we have licorice, not candy corn. You're not missing out. You're not. Yeah, they they are both horrible. But I I am going to put a little care package together, and I'm going to send you some candy corn so you can see how nasty it is. Okay, yeah, sorry. Exactly. Amen. <laughs> yeah, also so I for the red licorice. Red licorice. Yeah. Oh, uh, we should have put black in there. Black licorice. Uh, yeah, because the point of this one was the two worst candies ever created and having to pick no, the lesser no, of two evils. Licorice. We have black licorice, and it's just disgusting. It is disgusting. It's so, yes. Yeah, yeah. so, so think about candy corn being about on par with that. Yeah, it's disgusting. Um, however, if it was black licorice and candy corn, I would pick candy corn. If it was red licorice and candy corn, I would pick the red licorice. <laughs> Yes, me too. Uh, I'm just going to default to candy corn because I hate licorice. So, I mean, I don't know otherwise. <laughs> Do you know what candy corn is? Do you, have you seen candy corn? I've seen it. Yeah, it's like a little it's triangle. Like, like yeah. smush. Yeah. It's just I've never, gross yeah, smush. I've seen them. It's a triangle of yuck. It is. It's, but it's no different than licorice. Licorice is like eating like wax and like rubber and. <laughs> Pretty sure we're breaking the rules. One hundred percent breaking the rules. <laughs> okay, pumpkin spice or apple cider? Pumpkin spice. Apple cider. Apple cider. I don't know if Liz is frozen or if she's deep in thought. Is it frozen? Oh, there, there, there you are. You're back. Okay. You're back. Oh. So, um, did you hear my answer? No. What's your answer? (laughs) (laughs) Mine's mine's apple cider. Apple cider. I've never had pumpkin spice. There's not really that much of a thing over here. You're not missing much. I mean, they do it at um, Starbucks, but that's about it. Um, Okay. Hocus Pocus or Beetlejuice? All right, say the second one again. Hocus Pocus or Beetlejuice? Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. Ah, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Did I say it three times? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, now I'm going to say Beetlejuice as well. I wish I'm saying just the once. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, to top off our Halloween edition, Potion or spell. 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 A spell that makes a potion. <laughs> when you're, 
This is going to sound really strange, but when you were just like doing that thing with your nose just then, it reminded me of Sabrina from the original Sabrina. <laughs> I really am just, I'm just a witch, actually. <laughs> if you ask my kids or my husband, they'd probably agree with that. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get spell as well. Okay. So, yeah. That's an exciting one. That was? Yeah. Uh, lively. <laughs> I love how every, nearly every episode, Holly always tries to put in, like, some Americanisms into our either well i made a point last autumn one. i was gonna say i made a point not to put in hay rides or corn mazes ladies it is it, it i was stunned to learn last year that apparently in the united kingdom they don't have hay rides and corn mazes wow why no, you no, clearly have corn and hay <laughs> <laughs> but they, they tend to stay. They tend to stay in the field, or they get made into food, or like stuff. Or well, a corn maze stays <laughs> in the cornfield. They just cut a maze into the field. No, because they can harvest the corn as they're cutting, and then people pay to go do the maze. And then when the season's over, then they harvest the rest of it. Oh. Liz, you do have um, Halloween haunted houses, don't you? Uh, For Halloween? I think some theme parks do like haunted houses. Uh, <laughs> Steph really has her hand up. <laughs> what on earth do you do to celebrate Halloween? <laughs> pumpkins. <laughs> do you have pumpkin patches? You know what? Actually, um, there's a hotel nearby that has like pumpkin patch where you can do like pick your own, but that's quite rare. But they wow, like yeah, no, we tend to buy them from supermarkets. What <laughs> is wrong with you? I don't understand. My heart is sad for you, right? Yeah. Because that was one. This is the land of Harry Potter. Yes. Race. Right. Halloween magic. There's like nine haunted house things in Greenville where I live and like five um, hayrides. Like we're all trying to fit it all in. Yeah. They're they're all over the place. My my school that I work at, our student government, because it's a high school, our student government is creating, they did it for the first time last year. They're doing, they're turning our school into, because we have kind of like a horseshoe um hallway and they are creating a huge haunted house and we get like our theater kids come in and get like it's just like and it's open to the whole community and so it's a big fundraiser for them and it's i didn't go last year but apparently it was like freaking scary so you want something scary put a bunch of teenagers into creating a haunted house yeah yeah it's the greatest thing yeah Oh my god. Apparently it's a big American thing. Apparently. <laughs> and we all get excited. Well, that's another really interesting fact though. Did you know that Halloween was invented in Ireland? Wow, I didn't know that. Does Irish do the Irish have hay rides and corn mazes and pumpkin patches? <laughs> they they do celebrate it more than us. They have like a parades, like Halloween parades. Ooh, I want a Halloween parade. I know. Oh, I really yeah. want to get. I'm going. I'm hopefully going to go there next year to watch the Halloween parade. But yeah, they do. They do a much bigger kind of thing than us. 
Do people decorate their houses for Halloween over there? Some people. Man, I'm going to take some pictures of the houses in my neighborhood. Like, the, the people in my neighborhood, like... There's this one house that literally has it's 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 got to be like almost 20 feet tall, but like it almost looks like this 20 foot tall dementor kind of ghost thing that's like looming awesome. over the side of this person's house, and it's like, yeah. oh, oh my god! One is how much oh did you god. spend on that? But it's crazy. Liz, I yeah, feel I... like you need to take sabbatical and just come visit us next month. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then you'll go back Sounds and be like, like okay, guys, we've been doing it wrong the whole time. <laughs> You'll decide yeah. that you don't want to do, you know, your 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 marketing um, anymore, and that you're actually going to open up a farm and offer England's very first hayride, corn maze, pumpkin patch, and it, you will make so much money over the month of October and November that it will see you through for the entire other ten months of the year. That's all you need. Liz, we are setting you up for success. Yeah. They shut my neighborhood down. I live in an old mill village, and my house is over 100 years old. Oh, that's awesome. Police will shut down our whole village, and we will have a 1,000 trick-or-treaters in our neighborhood. Everybody comes, and every house is decorated, and it is a big, big deal. Wow. They shut the whole neighborhood down at, like, 5 p.m., that's a lot of candy like you got to buy. One. That's amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. Got, like buckets and buckets of like, jeez. Yeah. We get maybe a few. We get maybe a handful of trick-or-treaters. <laughs> I mean, where is the cord sack? Well, it's not all right. <laughs> okay, so here, this I is the deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Liz, you got to come to us so we can give you the true halloween fall experience and then we will all travel back with you and we will set up the very first of all of these things for your community and we're going to turn your little little town into like a national sensation because everyone's going to come to your town to do all of these fun things and they'll be like oh my god what have we been missing out on for the last like 15 centuries (laughs) also we could then do christmas markets (gasps) europe does way better than the u.s yes that is true 100 percent. this is a mutually beneficial situation (laughs) see done perfect um okay so now that we've you know completely derailed the entire show uh, (laughs) this was important information it was very important very important um all right so um we are really excited to finally be able to announce our next show um which will be dropping on november 7th we are super super excited to have a very special guest author interview and since we're in creepy season ladies have you guys read hidden pictures I have not. That is one of the best books I've read this year. Well, guess what, Stephanie? Guess who our guest author is going to be? Wow. Yep. So, Jason, and I know I'm I'm mispronouncing his name, so I will make sure I pronounce it correctly before the show. But Jason... um, Reculik, um is the author of Hidden Pictures, is going to be joining us for our November episode. I am so excited. I read this book over the summer, and 
like like Stephanie, it was one of my favorite books and I have a very just busy like real life life so I don't really have a lot of time to to read so I do a lot of audiobooks but I knew I had to read this book because of the pictures and I read this book like that like oh my god it was so good and my 16 year old son hates scary things and every time I came to a new picture in the book I'd be like look look at this picture he's like oh don't show me that um so it, it is such a good book I love it I cannot wait to interview him um so yeah so we just confirmed our date with him um this week so we're this is our kind of our first announcement of letting everybody know that our november show will have jason on it and we'll be talking about hidden pictures so that's exciting guys yeah so we're really excited so uh, he obviously doesn't know what he's getting into so it'll be (laughs) super fun i can't wait to listen to that it's did you read it liz i haven't read it yet no but it does sound i haven't either Okay. It's really, really, really good. It's it's yeah, super good. Uh, but you definitely have to make sure that you have the book because there it's it's about a kid who you know he draws these pictures and there's this like creepy imaginary friend, um, and he draws the imaginary friend and it just it just the pictures just get creepier yeah. and more disturbing as the book goes on. So <laughs> it's really really good. Good. All right. So with that, Stephanie, where can people find you on social media? I am on Instagram at Books, Cats, Tacos. Three great things. Jen, where can we find you on social media? I'm at Kindles all the way down. Ah, Kindles. Another great thing. Liz, where can we find... I'm just loving everything today, you guys. I am just like, you know... I got so happy talking about corn mazes and hay rides, and I just can't come down from my, like, <laughs> my, you know, I don't know what the hormone is, that happy hormone. Are you just going to get some corn now? I, I might, you know. We have them all over the place. I can go, you know. Liz, I have my choice. Would you like to know where Yes, that's what we're waiting on. <laughs> Let us know where we can find you. Um, you can find me on Instagram uh, at Lizzie's Little Booknook, and my website is Lizzie's Little Booknook.co.uk. And Holly, where can we find you on social? I am on Instagram at AZ Desert Bookworm, and then my website is tinyurl.com slash desert bookshelf. So check us out online we always have lots of fun stuff to share and talk about with our love of books we thank you so much for for listening to this episode we hope that you enjoyed it you had some laughs out of it and that we have motivated you to go check out some corn mazes and hay rides in your local community and if you're listening in a location like liz who they don't do these things, then I hope that, you know, you're able to travel and experience the fun of the season. So... <laughs> advocate for change and start your own. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it only takes one person to make change, Liz. I think she's done with us. She's like, mm-hmm, okay, sure, whatever, okay. you guys. <laughs> All right. Well, we look forward to seeing, well, not seeing really, Uh, We look forward to our interview coming up in November with Jason talking about hidden pictures. So until then, we hope that you all read amazing, wonderful books that you love. And we will see you soon. Bye. Bye.
Happy reading. Bye. Bye.